spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Here we are, true believers, ready for another episode of Max Mike Movies. Because we like to be topical, in the know, at the ready, lined up against the fruit. I the fruit? No. What? <laughs> We're taking on the whole entirety of the James Bond franchise in a series we call Get Em, Jimmy. Which we also call Down, 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 but we don't know how to spell that. No, 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 it's very hard to spell. We'll be scrutinizing some of the best and the not-so-best Bond has to offer. This is the second of our gadget-laden entries. The first was a deep dive into one of the better films of the series. This time, we're dipping toe in a more shallow puddle, 2002's Die Another Day, otherwise known as The One with the Invisible Car. <laughs> Does this movie have the ability to satisfy like Bond? Or, or is it just another cinematic tease with a giant space laser in it? To oh, James. <laughs> Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, to pick over the carcass on my left is our M, the master forecaster, Max Levine. And Please pay I, attention, 007. What? Huh? Huh? <laughs> and I will be the ever lenticular Q, Mike Luce. But first, there is business. Business, business. 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 Uh, you know how to find us by this point. If you haven't, you're not here. I don't have to tell you that. The big important parts are, hey, you want to look at our back catalog of wonderful lusciousness? can't believe I got away with saying yeah. wonderful lusciousness. Is that allowed in the air? You did not get away with it. Your punishment is forthcoming. Oh, dear. Oh, punishment. Mmm. Wonderful punishment. Anyway, uh, our back catalog of episodes, juicy, wonderful, titillating episodes, is available at our website, maxmikemovies.com. You can write us at our wonderful email address where you can give us suggestions, say, hey, you guys are wrong, and stuff like that. That is uh, us at MaxMikeMovies.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook under, you can probably guess. But this week, die another day, which I might do. Hey, you time. die another day. No, you are, I'm going to have you die another day after recess. Oh, you wait and see. You're going down. Yeah. Uh, this movie has trivia. Did you know I that? I think this entire movie is trivia, but now, sure. Now, that's the third section, although I didn't say <laughs> shallow puddle. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, die another day. The show. Budget, $142 million. Wow. Take, $431 million. Win-win. Wow. Yeah. It is, uh, however the fifth least popular Bond movie, according to that site with the decomposing fruit. Uh, it is also Pierce Brosnan's least favorite of the Bond movies he was in. Good for you, Pierce. Uh, Roger Moore was also not a fan, citing, among other things, the invisible car <laughs> being an unwelcome element to the already ridiculous gadgetry. And boy, are we going to get into that? Oh, yeah. Though it might seem unlikely to use a hovercraft to avoid blowing up mines in a field, Mythbusters actually proved the idea was plausible. I looked that up too. Yep. It the, char the character played by Halle Berry, Jinx, was considered for a spin-off project, but other women-centric films at the time underperformed, so the project, project was axed. Berry says she's still interested in doing the character, and hey, you know what? I liked her in this. I, yeah. would, I would happily watch a Jinx movie. Uh, the only thing I had, and we'll get to this, the only thing I had against is they had to do the damsel in distress scene because yeah, of reasons. This is the second film appearance of James Bond's office. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, Halle Berry had to leave production long enough to um, accept her Oscar for Best Actress in Monsters Ball. That's a pretty good reason. Kind I of know. Yeah, I didn't have this. I didn't write this initially down in trivia, but the woman who plays uh, Miss Frost uh, had to leave production long enough to graduate from college. Ooh. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's Rosamund Pike. Yeah. Elton John called Madonna's Bond theme, Die Another Day, the worst Bond song ever. And Oh, oh come on. Well, at the, at the time. Yeah, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you do a kill had already been out, we'd already had Duran Duran. I, honestly, though, this song was just so overproduced and just. Yeah. Ugh. Um, Michelle Yeoh's character from Tomorrow Never Dies was originally supposed to reappear in this movie, but Yeoh was unavailable. Damn oh, shame. Because yeah, Michelle Yeoh is awesome. Um, the only problem is, is when she's on screen with Pierce Brosnan, it's like, Pierce, get out of the way. We want to see her. Well, we do, but the thing I liked is that she ended up playing the brawn, and he ended up playing the brains, and I really liked that that chemistry. Yeah. Uh, I really hated the part where, yes, again, she had to be the damsel in distress at one point because. But, yeah, you know, and, and I think the, the Jinx character was probably supposed to be Michelle Yeoh, um, and I honestly think that uh, if they wanted to do it, and they kind of are. We talked about this a little while back. We talked about the fact that there was a news report recently that said they're going to be trying to recast 007, not James Bond, but 007 as a black woman character. If they do it like they do Jinx in here, it'll work great. And people mm-hmm. will, will be just as entertained as they could be. Well, hopefully more entertained than they were by this. Yeah. Um, this is Pierce Brosnan's last outing as Bond. Not least of which because he was in his fifties, I think, at this point. And does uh, honestly, I think he does fine. I, I blame really the script. Yeah, yeah, he's okay. Until up until the two thousand six franchise reboot film Casino Royale, this was the highest grossing Bond film, not adjusted for today's oh. cash. Oh, not adjusted. All right. If you adjust for inflation, Goldfinger, Thunderball, and Skyfall all made twice as much or more. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, no, I'm not a door. The cars in the big ice chase sequence never went above 20 miles an hour. Not surprising. You can't drive that fast on ice. Well, they're supercars. You don't understand. <sighs> yeah, that's okay. Those two cars, they actually uh, gutted them, put in entirely new engines and uh, all-wheel drive systems. So there you go. Well, it, I, I mean, if you really start, if you look look at all the I call no way moments in this oh, movie, boy. that's the whole movie. Yeah. Anyway, the cameras were slowed down to make them look like they were moving faster. Sadly, Iceland never gets cold enough to make these ice hotels, which confused a lot of tourists who went there because of the movie looking for them. Oh, dear. There is an ice hotel, but it's not in Iceland. Oh, no, no. They, they, they do them in a number of places in Norway, yeah. Sweden, and Finland, but they have to do them above the Arctic Circle because right. otherwise it doesn't. And in fact, I didn't initially put this in my trivia. The lake where they did the, uh, the whole thing. Uh, did not freeze over enough, so they actually had to dam up the river to keep <laughs> any incoming water so it would freeze. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, this film was released on the 40th anniversary of the franchise's start back in 1962. Do you know any other um, trivia of this? Well, a minor thing. Part of it takes place in Iceland next to a diamond mine. <laughs> Ic- Iceland, I do not believe, has any diamonds. To be fair, that is part of the plot. That it is. There's apparently a tunnel that goes from Iceland to Africa. But, uh, yeah. I, I did like one thing. One of the henchmen who has the dopiest name of any of them, Mr. Kill. 
Because yeah. apparently Mr. Murder was on holiday. <laughs> Master yeah. Murder? Mr. Kill. I was thinking, yes, and this is our news guy, Howitzer Explosion guy. <laughs> but uh, you know who he was? He played, at least he was the body of the Witch King of Angmar in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah. Great. No. I thought that was cool, but uh, yeah, that's the only interesting thing about the character. Yeah, no, uh, that, that I don't have any other trivia. I do. It's called The Plot. Right. So, The Plot for Die Another Day. James Bond is on a mission to stop the trade of WMDs in North Korea by posing as an arms dealer. Sadly, as it's James Bond, he's made almost immediately and things start to go to poo. After a lot of chasing about and lots of mighty explosions, Bond manages to kill his man, but then is actually caught for the first time. Mm. He's tortured, but gives up nothing about his beloved MI5. Uh, six, or is it seven? No, he's on six, I think. After 14 months of captivity, he's traded back to Britain for the one man that got away in his mission gone wrong. M is disgusted. The Americans are disgusted. Bond is disgusted. But he's Bond, so he out he breaks from MI6's toughest <coughs> security, <laughs> starts the long road to revenge and justice. On the way to get Zhao, the one that got away, he runs into Jinx, played by Halle Berry, an American who seems to be up to some of the same goals as he is. After taking out a gene replacement clinic where they find Zhao trying to turn into a nice young German man, they reconvene in Iceland just as world-famous billionaire Gustav Graves is about to give a demonstration of something he calls Icarus, a satellite mirror device of uncanny power. No, 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 no. <laughs> a device that's meant to bring sunlight to areas of the world that are short of... Well, sunlight. But lo, things aren't what they seem. The satellite is also a weapon. And Gustav Grave, uh -huh. British boy billionaire, is none other than Colonel Moon, the man Bond thought he killed way back in the beginning of the movie. And, uh, and if you couldn't see that one coming 45 minutes in. <laughs> giant ice hotels start to collapse. Things start to explode. And it's up to Bond and Jinx to leap into flying fortresses of evil to bring down the flying fortress of evil bad guys. Can they succeed? Well, really, this is number 20 in a long line of franchise, so, yes. Hooray! We're safe. What is it with the Bond movies and orbiting space lasers? It we had them in Diamonds like Are Forever, we had them in Moonraker, we got them in this. Yeah. But, plot is out of the way, such as it is, we can talk about the flim. Mm. The lowdown. So, we open up with stealth surfing. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, surf commandos. I, I kept I kept waiting for someone to go, nah, brah. Well, see, I, it reminded me of skeet surfing from Top Secret. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then going, of course, Bond can surf, except, wait, who taught him? He's English. They don't surf. No. I, I really wish we had seen a scene with him being taught by some, you know, California sun bro ho daddy. Okay, dude, Bond dude, you got you gotta find the wave inside. Are you basically trying to say that Prince Charlie don't surf? <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Very so nice. I, yeah. I would have loved to see like I don't you know Johnny Utah teaching him to surf. I know Kung Fu. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's one of those th I mean at least he's not skiing again. Yeah, and at least we don't get a, a parachute with the Union Jack on it, because man, that's getting yeah. old. Yeah, um, yeah that, that's just a really weird entry. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I, I I know that they've got lots of of coastline there, being a peninsula and all, but I'm just like Korea. 
Yeah, I, I <laughs> they lost me right there. Um, but then they get there, and this sure is North Korea, jolly old chap. <laughs> yes, this certainly is not. It's not a British studio. Um, no, I mean the opening. I have to say, I think it's pretty interesting. It's like, oh wow, he's actually doing like spy stuff. Except as you say, he's like the most famous spy in the world, and it takes him about two seconds. Now, admittedly, this is because they have a a, uh, a traitor. Oh, yeah, oh. and then that's that, that's actually an interesting part of the plot. Um, well, it's as interesting a part of plot as we're going to get. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so then there's this this deal where he takes the place of some guy, and he happens to be dressed exactly like him, which is gosh, that's handy. Um, I think it would have really, honestly, made much more sense if they had just changed clothes. Yeah, but this film is really big on making things way too convenient and way too complex. Yeah. It's like, okay, they're going to surf in. How did they get out there? Yeah. Who they, dropped them off? They would have had, and they would have had been dropped off miles from shore for uh, uh naval radar, not to pick them up. And then how do you surf all that? I mean, the, as we and well know, the whole way in, you can do that. If your name is Duke and you're aiming for Gilligan's Island, but <laughs> other than that, yeah. Um, I, yeah. Uh, it's like, like, why does it? Why couldn't it just have been Frogman or something? Why yeah. you know? Like, why did it have to Frogman? He can do Frogman. They just have to make everything big and and boomy and and whatever. So yeah. he gets to this. There's a guy who's got diamonds that he's using to pay for weapons because evil. And Bond happens to be wearing the exact same clothes. So whatever, he surfs in, takes his place. They get there and. Uh, one the Zhao, the 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 second in command of Colonel Moon, who it sounds like Colonel Moon is this old guy. He's actually, I'm guessing, supposed to be somewhere in his mid to late twenties. Mm. Um, he's not old. I mean, he studied in the West and all that, but he's also not just yeah. doing it. He's not doing it for the his glorious leader. Uh, no, 2002. I think we're up to to uh, dear leader. Uh, yeah, not doing it for their dear leader. He's doing it because he wants to make money because he likes to collect fancy cars. Right, and these Koreans, none of them have a Korean accent. <laughs> ah, that's because they're all spies. Uh, for Korea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then sure then enough. A, then there's a big, Let's. it's like, I swear, they're going, okay, which vehicles have we used? Tanks, yeah, cars. Okay, hovercraft chase. We're doing a hovercraft chase. And to their favor... We do know that there is a DMZ and we do know that it's full of mines. Yep. And as it turns out, hovercrafts are a viable alternative to getting yourself blowed up. Yes, but they look silly when they're running after each other and bouncing off each other. Also because you can tell they, they try really hard, but you can tell that they too are probably not going above about 20 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if why don't you just get out and why know them? Yeah. And it looks like he kills the Colonel and gets, gets his man. And well, then, then the, something that never happens in a Bond film. Well, there's two things. In oh, wait, before we quite get to that, we have this chase, which Max has pointed out is really kind of silly. For one thing, it's a straight line. Um, <laughs> it doesn't look, I mean, there's mines, I guess. Then they get, there's this big gate with a bell. And apparently what the bell is trying to tell you is, no, no, don't go through the gate because it's a waterfall. Like, ah. I totally didn't understand why there was a gate and a waterfall where you were supposed to go left or right of the gate instead of through it. It made no sense mm -hmm. to me. And then there's a miniature. That, I mean, there's a hovercraft that, you know, falls over the edge in a Disney-like fashion, thus expect, making you expect that the villain's dead. But no, no, he's, mm -hmm. 
he'll still be back as a different actor. Then he's captured by the North Korean army. Yes. And we see two things we've never seen. I don't think we've seen this in any of the Bond movies. One, Bond is in the credits, in the opening sequence. And he's, and what happens to him is now. Now I got to disagree with you. You say we never see Bond being captured. We see Bond captured all the time. It's just he's always captured by the Bond villain. And as you know, I, I hate to keep quoting Doctor Evil because, but the fact is, those Austin Power moves movies, they're making fun of of very specific things in the Bond movies. And it's, I know they're also doing Our Man Flint and all those, but it's Bond says, I'll just put him in an easily escapable death trap and then close the door and assume everything went to plan. What? That's what happens. He gets strapped to lasers or he's handed to some uh, henchman with a goofy-ass name that you know they're going to have a fight. No, he's handed over to the army, locked in prison, and tortured for 14 months. Yes, during the opening credit. Holy crap, and we see this during the opening credit. He's being waterboarded and they're stinging, giving him scorpion venom and Yes, along with the scantily clad women that have to appear in the credits. So that's not weird. It's like and, torture scenes and sexy ladies. And yeah, this is like you're you're appealing to a very specific demographic here. Who also likes really shrill Madonna songs. Oh, yeah, the song. Yikes. It really is kind of. And we'll, we'll get to... Uh, to uh, Madonna's actual appearance in this movie. Oh, yeah, because she... This, this was also in during her period where she decided she was English. She did? I thought she decided right. she was Jewish. No, no, she did. Uh, she converted or she started... Stu- she Actually, she never did. She just sort of got interested in the Kabbalah. But that's a whole other thing. Wait, that plastic game from uh, Transagram from the 60s? That's right. The more it... Gl- what is it? The more... The darker it grows. The more Kabbalah glows. Or, or was it that villain from that Speed Racer episode? I can't remember. And Kabbalah will win! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Okay, we're gone way far afield. Anyway, yeah, she's in this uh, and she's trying to do an English accent and... Oh, oh she was? You didn't notice, did you? No, I uh, no, I really kind of didn't. She's supposed to be a fencing instructor. Yep. <laughs> hey, uh, I just want to go out there for because one of our listeners, uh, my, my buddy Matt, uh, who is actually a fencer, uh, I want to apologize if you watched this film because I'm sure the fencing in here is um, questionable. But uh, yeah, because I figured we wouldn't notice. Yeah, I'll we'll get back to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we get these opening cre- credits, which are torture and sexyful because <laughs> that's the thing. But yeah, yeah, we do a deal deal with Bond getting caught, really caught, not you know, Doctor Evil caught. Yeah, and that's actually kind of interesting. Now, I ha- I don't think I'd seen this film more than once, and I remember it being the one with the invisible car, which is how people usually refer to it because a lot of people don't remember the plot. I didn't remember the plot. Did you? I remember bits and pieces, but the overall plot, no. I knew there was, North, there were North Koreans and and well, not much. I remember Diamond Face, and I'm like, oh, yes. We'll get I don't remember him. why he does that, but I remember there's a guy with diamonds in his face. Whatever. Yep. I always so, thought he was like a Dick Tracy villain. So, oh, so you're get, not getting away, Diamond Face. Yeah, I did a comic called Diamond Face once. Anyway, uh, so we deal with Bond, the idea of Bond actually getting caught. Which is interesting because this is sort of going to be, what's the word, Uh, a little sort of prescient for the film that will follow this, which we may talk about later. But, um, you know, what happens if one of these people gets caught? What, you know, what do you, what do you do? It's like, how will Bond ever be a viable spy again? Right? The answer to that. 
Well, he can't be because it's like, I mean, if people can sit there and telephone in, it's like, hey, you know that guy you're dealing with? That's James Bond, the famous British spy. Never, never mind that. Now he's been taken by the Korea, the North Koreans. They know who he is. They'll have distributed his picture. Yep. His cover, it doesn't exist anymore. He is, he's a blown asset. Right. And the a couple of other things. That that was one of the things that really impressed me about this sequence. It's like, oh my God, this they're not doing James Bond. They're doing re- this is what happens to spies. Right. This was very realistic. Yeah. It's like, okay, they get captured, they get tortured, and they're going they're not going to escape by, you know, MacGyvering their way out. They're if they get out, it's because they're traded for someone else. Right. And that's actually a really interesting plot point. So this guy, Zhao, he escapes Bond's amazing flight through the minefield and uh, eventually goes on to do other horrible things. And they capture him and trade him for Bond, which upsets everybody because they're like, Bond's not worth it. And even Bond says, look, I didn't ask you to do this. And they they think he talked. They think he cracked. Well, as it turns out, no, we find out. And, that, and that's yeah. that was actually part of the plot. It's like, wow, this is actually pretty interesting. Turns out that somebody is playing both sides against each other well. And they're doing it from the inside. And it's like, yeah. wow, that's kind of cool. And um, this is where the movie pisses me off. Because he gets traded, he goes out, and it's like it never happened. It's like, yes, he's off on his own, but that's we've seen that before. First of all... He's been tortured for 14 months, over a year, and yet all he needs is a shave and a haircut for two bits, <laughs> and he's fine. Yeah, one he's of my up, was- leaping around and punching people and shooting people, and there's no, there's no post-traumatic stress. No. There's no physical after effects. He should be a friggin' basket case. Yeah, I actually, my note was Bond is pretty well fed after 14 months. Yeah, I mean, at least, okay, they've been torturing him, but at least they've been feeding him. Yeah, Although I do have to say when they're checking him out, the, the there is the one line that made me la- kind of chuckle in the entire movie. They're running a medical scan. They're going, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. or liver not too good. Definitely him then. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Okay, that's good. All right. Yeah, and, you know, Kudos to Pierce Brosnan because he's in his fifties, you know, and he's keeping his shape as bell as well as he can. But he's sucking it in pretty good. Yeah. Um, he, you know, like Max says, all he has to do is remove that wig. I mean, get his hair cut. <laughs> um, he easily he he fakes heart failure. I don't know how one does that. Uh, I don't I don't buy that meditation uh, fakir technique. He just lowers his heart rate. Um, burr, burr, sweaty, sweaty, sunny, sunny. Yeah, I don't oh, know. Um, then he breaks out. And now here's the thing. You could argue, if you're being kind, that M wanted him to get out and so didn't make it all that hard because <laughs> um, it's not real. Apparently, breaking out of an MI6 uh, base in Hong Kong is not such a big deal. Oh, it's like two, two, two over this. It was a boat. I mean, he's on, he's on a, a destroyer or something and he just runs up the stairs, hides in a stairwell for two seconds and dives overboard. Well, he shocks one doctor and then points his finger at the other one and leaves. <laughs> and then what does he do? He walks out onto the pier and nobody follows him. Like nobody chases him. Now, then we get to another part that I actually liked that I thought worked. He, gets his makes his way to a hotel that he's used many times in the past and he walks in just being bond 
wearing his pajamas, which are he's left open, sucking it in. And he walks up to the counter, and of course, they're like, what do you want? And then somebody he's dealt with, the manager, sees him and says, oh, Mr. Bond. And the guy gets him his room and stuff. And it turns out that the guy's actually long been known to Bond anyway, to be part of intelligence. Yeah. And so Bond says, look, I'm on my own, but I'll do you guys a favor by going after this embarrassment, Zhao, if you'll help me out. And it's like, I liked that part. I thought that's actually kind of cool. He's like, I can't get anything from MI5. I'm going to use some of my other um, resources through other missions. Mm-hmm. And I'll have, it's like, how will I get this to work for me? I'll use it. Yeah, I'll do something you guys want me to do. He uses like, his own network of contacts. He does the same thing with the guy in Cuba. Yeah. You know, and there's a, there's a little bit where he has to, you know, sort of force the hand. But it's fine, you know. And I liked that part. And it's like, oh, maybe this movie is better than I thought. Notice the long pause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were wrong. I, I do want to stop for a minute and talk about Zhao, because we do see him at one point. And like a lot of the Bond villains, not always the primary villain, but sometimes the secondary, they often have some quirk. Right. You know, you got the jaws and his steel teeth, an odd job and his hat. flying hat, <laughs> <laughs> tee-hee and his uh, mechanical hand, all those things. And uh, Dr. No. Yeah, Dr. No's the main villain. Yeah, it's, well, they, but he also has mechanical hands. Tee-hee and Live and Let Die had a, had a mechanical claw. Oh, is that his name? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't know. He's only It's only said once. I remember just seeing it in the credits. Uh, Zhao, beca- basically, they were being paid in blood diamonds. They make a big point of it. Or excuse me, they're calling them the more politically correct conflict diamonds right. out of Sierra Leone. And... Uh, Bond has a whole case of them with a bunch of C4 inside. They really underestimate how much C4 can do. There was a big block. That's what you'd use to knock down a building. And I, was this say, I was expecting tanks to blow up, and it's just the suitcase. Yeah, it's a suitcase, and a few people nearby go, ah! And the and diamonds become shrapnel. The diamonds become shrapnel and embed themselves in one side of Zhao's face. And I remember watching that and going right away, I no. I am sorry. Okay. You want to argue that maybe they hit so hard that some of them embedded in the bone. Okay. First of all, he'd be dead. (laughs) Second of all, some of them are stuck in the side of his nose. You literally could just go point out. It comes. I don't for it to embed in. It's just cartilage. Well, but also he eventually goes to that, that gene clinic in Cuba, which we're about to get to Cuba sort of. And, uh, it's like, why isn't anyone taking these out? A pair of tweezers is all you need, for heaven's sake. I'm even going to go so far as to say they're in so shallowly that over about the course of a month, they're going to pop out on their own. They should own. have all fallen out or should have killed him. It's that, like a- I'm sorry. That's just dumb. That bothers me every time I see the character. And it, it kind of it takes me out of the movie. Yeah, it's just it, the makeup on him is it ranges from kind of interesting to wow, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, his blue contacts, um, because he's turning into this nice German man, uh, are are particularly abysmal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're bulge, make his eyes bulge out of his head, and they're just so obviously fake. Um, I, I do like when they get to Cuba. It's like wow, yes, that's Cuba. That's cool. That's this is uh, not a back lot. No. <laughs> what? Welcome to really Cuba, jolly old chap. It's Spain. Yep. But no, part of it is I recognize the street. There's this big street on the coast. That that part was filmed in Cuba. The rest of it, when they're inside the, the cigar, of course, because I'm in Cuba, I, I have a contact. He must make cigars because that's all they make here. Uh, it, it's Spain. 
<laughs> no, I'm serious. They couldn't get uh, oh, they, they couldn't could. get permission. Oh, so wow. it's one street. I would swear would have was Cuba. Okay, no, but I'll tell you, makes me want to go to Spain. Spain looks amazing. Spain looks gorgeous. And then we so so we get to spy dab at Cuba, <clears throat> and we meet Halle Berry who's playing Ursula Andrews. Oh, yeah, well, I, I mean, in the next movie, Daniel Craig does the same thing. I knew. Yeah. Yes, and uh, she she does she certainly does justice to her the Ursula Andress part. Rise out of the sea. And here's another thing, and I that's our, like our favorite phrase next to whatever happened to Zangief's ass and or Austin <laughs> Stack. Yeah. Um, Halle Berry, I think, is initially thrown at us as a visual character. Gosh. But there's a lot more going on. A woman Sorry. in a Bond film as just there as eye candy. I have to sit down. What's that term the kids are using? Ah, yes. This is not a woke film. No. <laughs> uh, although that being said, Halle Berry is black. Halle Berry is very attractive. Halle Berry's a really good actress, as can be shown, because she had to leave this film to get her Oscar. Yep. Yep. Uh, but I like the character. She's smart. She's funny. She's capable. She's athletic. I, you know, she's got a lot going for her. Quite honestly, she does make Bond look a little um, slow. slow. Yeah. No, except um, the, the only thing you can complain about is she doesn't have very much to do, and uh, she's not around very much. Well, the, she would have she would have overshadowed him too much. Well, she does. Like when she first shows up, so they, we we get to Cuba. This is where they've tracked Zhao to this gene replacement clinic because apparently, you can replace some of the uh, DNA in people's bones and it'll cause them to turn into an entirely new person. Yeah. The timeline of this film, oh boy, we'll get there. But um, Zhao is being turned into this nice German man. And I say that because we see him, his, he's lost all his hair. His eyes are now blue sort of contacts. Um, he still has his diamonds because reasons he's still built really. And, uh, <clears throat> and he's listening to German language tapes while he's, under the, I don't know, the UV mega spectra. It would take a scientist to explain. Magic. Yeah. And uh, Jinx is there to deal with this illegal clinic. It's because apparently what they're doing is they're just taking donors off the streets and killing them and using their DNA. But um, Jinx basically shows up and takes over the whole thing and destroys the clinic and gets out scot-free. Meanwhile, Jimmy just sort of watches from the sidelines going, oh, hey, and she does great. And it's like that whole part of the character. I'm like, yes, let's see a movie with her. I'm interested. Okay. Unfortunately, it the initial I play with Jinx yeah. is some of the worst written oh, double dialogue of any Bond film I've ever seen. It's They're awkward. trying to do the whole seduction scene that Don Bond does in all of them. And it's yeah. so bad. Bad, where he's hitting on her and talking about predators, and she's oh, oh. telling her why she her her nickname is Jinx, and yeah, and there's this part where James picks up a book briefly when he's talking to his contact in quote unquote Cuba, and we are not meant to see the cover very very well because it's a book about birds written by James Bond, which is where Ian uh, Fleming yeah. got the name of the character, but. He decides he's going to be an ornithologist. And so that leads to lines such as ornithologist. Haley Berry looks down, then says, that's a mouthful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Just awful. However, we go from that to, quite honestly, 
a pretty hot sex scene for a Bond film with Bond and Halle Berry. Yeah. And it's like, and apparently they had to tone it down for the American audiences because it wouldn't pass PG. Mm. But so I, I have to quit. I mean, part of the sexy part is she's like slicing open a fig, chewing it and spitting it into his mouth. And I'm going, this is supposed to get me hot. Uh, people like figs. <laughs> I mean, you're it, the big, big Newton. Here's the tricky part. <laughs> and yes, it's very hot. Although again, there's a little bit of, Oh, geez, man. She, she, she could be your daughter. There is some of that. Yes. Um, I, she comes off as more mature to me. And I don't know. I don't mean that in a, you yeah. know, be kind of way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't have that much of a problem with the disparity. I also like the part, the, the part that she more or less seemed to be in charge. Uh, I don't know. I just like the character. I would yeah, be more of fun. Um, but then we're in the gene clinic, um, and she's pretending to be a client and we get this character. I don't, as soon as he shows up wringing his hands, did you want to call him Dr. Evil? Cause that's exactly yeah, pretty much. Um, he also reminded me there's a character played in the previous bond film. Tomorrow never dies yeah. call up uh, Vincent Chiavelli, which is basically the same sort of thing, but whatever. Anyway, also, the the name the clinic is on this little offshore island fort. You remember the name? Uh, it, it's um, Los Ila Ila Los Organos, which literally means Organ Island. <laughs> I looked like it up. <laughs> sounds like one of those Saturday morning shows by Sid and Marty Croft or something. Organ <laughs> Island. Oh, <Uh-oh>, Congo. <laughs> Well, that's Hanna Barbera, but that's all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, then after uh, Bond is left uh, treading water, have, watching Jinx having completed the mischief and saluting him and taking off, uh, we get this annoying, incredibly annoying little—I don't know what you call it—bridge scene where they play the Clash's "London Calling." Oh, uh, we we see this heavy shot of uh, Buckingham Palace. It's like, hello, do you get it? We're in England. Does everyone understand we're now in England? No? Here, we're going to show you Piccadilly Circus and Big Ben. Do you understand we're in England? Play the Clash music louder. Wow, that was heavy-handed. Yeah. And there we are introduced to, aha. Graves. Yeah, it's Gustav Graves. We're like, ah, Who? Right, and here is where the timeline gets really stupid. And this is really, honestly, to me, where the movie just goes off the rails. Yeah, this is that. Me too. It's like, oh, this movie has actually got some good points. This is kind of okay. It's not. So we get Gustav Graves, who's this character who, um, quite honestly, literally did not exist fourteen months ago. Yeah, just appeared because, because that's when Colonel Moon. Oh, we're giving it away. Oh, we're giving it away for free. Um, Colonel Moon fell over a waterfall like a Disney villain, and then we see Gustav Graves. So somehow in 14 months, Colonel Moon, who also sounds like some sort of anime villain. (laughs) Oh no, it is Colonel Moon. Hurry! Zero Max, get him! Um, He has not only gone through this entire gene therapy to become an entirely different actor, but he, he has set up this identity where he's this British boy billionaire. Kind of he has an empire. He's built an evil spy satellite. Yep. He's got a base. He's apparently discovered a diamond mine in Iceland. 
Right. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> he's using to fence his uh, his uh, blood diamonds or his what, yeah. what are they? Conflict diamonds. It's blood diamonds. Let's not kid ourselves. Right. And he decides to parachute into the movie. I mean, parachute into uh, uh, <laughs> to get his knighthood. It's like how fourteen months? Come on, come yeah. on. But so he shows up, and he he. We go to this gentleman's club, this gentleman's fencing club, where we get Madonna. Yes, who's the fencing instructor, Verity. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, supposed to meet right? Because, yeah. Yes, and um, there's, of course, the fencing, and then this turns into a basically grab every kind of sword you can find. Hey, I'm going to use a katana. Hey, I'm using a claymore. Hey, I'm using an English broadsword. And make it sound like whenever the swords hit each other, you're actually hitting like a bell or something. Yeah, it's clang, 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 clang. They're fighting their way to prove their their manhood uh, through this film because at this point, although we as the audience don't know it, wink, wink, uh, this man Gustav Graves is actually in real life Colonel Moon. Dun dun dun. Uh, Bond doesn't know this, and one of the things they do is, oh no, they slice slice through Gainsborough's Blue Boy, except it's. Well known to be in California. But hey, I was figuring, but I'm assuming that's a print. Well, and yeah. yes, and we also meet, you know, uh, Miranda Frost. Uh, suppose that's better than, you know, Ivana Humpalot. <laughs> and from Austin Powers. Uh, I who, know. who is. Uh, Anya yeah. on a top, which is sadly from Golden from Upon the Movie, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, she. <laughs> she, she's uh, she's Graves' personal assistant. Who and and we find out an a, a sleeper agent for MI6. Or is she? Or is she? it turns out? Well, I know spoilers because this movie is almost twenty years old. Uh, spoilers. She turns out to be the mole, which Molly, I actually Molly, kind Molly. of like. Yeah, that's a nice touch. So uh, it turns out that they went to school together uh, when Who's Colonel Moon. Colonel Moon went to Harvard and, and MIT or whatever the hell he went to. Uh, he met her. And although there's a lot more chemistry between Gustav Graves or a Colonel Moon and Zhao than there is between Colonel Graves and Miranda Frost. Seriously, every what? scene they're in, you're just going, just kiss already. You have a hotel room. Come on. You have um, a hotel right there. So Bond by now. MI5 or 6 or 7, whoever it is, can't help but know where he is. I mean, he basically went on the internet and said, hey, everyone, I'm simulcasting live from this gentleman club in <laughs> London. Oh, he did not. I, but it's like, seriously, it's like, there's no attempt to bring him in or say, no, no, don't do that. But so instead, do. what happens is they give him this key at the gentleman's club, and he goes to a magic bridge door. And what and bridge is that, by the way? Tower Bridge. Uh -huh. And he goes into this little door at Tower Bridge, and lo and behold, it's a lost tube station, which there actually are things, and there actually was a very famous one used during World War II. It's where um, Churchill had some meetings, and it showed up in Neverwhere by Neil Gaiman. Um, and that's where M comes out and says, yes, 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 all's forgiven. Here's Q in a scene that will make you really annoyed, because first... It's cool because it's like, oh, I know what that gadget's from. That's from that movie. And that's from that movie. Oh, there's the hollow alligator from way back in Dr. No. And oh, my God. It throws and up it's, Leb's shoe. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, there's the invisible car. <laughs> it's an Aston Martin. Now, I have to, now, just for, for a pointless nerd stuff, 
Adaptive camouflage is a real technology. The idea is the car is covered with sensors and cameras that photograph what's behind it and project it in front of it. So it supposedly looks like what's behind it. The problem is adaptive techno- adaptive camouflage doesn't work. Well, it can, it but only the problem works if the thing doesn't move. It can work, but it has to be really far away. Like you could use it on the bottom of a plane to make it look like the sky. Okay, that's because it's far enough yeah. away. You're like, I can't. You wouldn't notice it. It just wouldn't. They, now, that's they also radar. even now. I mean, maybe the military has. You know, the military tech is always eight to eight to ten years ahead of civilian tech. They may have stuff that works better, but adaptive camouflage is insanely expensive and not terribly good. It doesn't work very well. It, it, uh, too, it's too easy. Any, if one of the panels goes out. Just describe Bond movies. They're incredibly expensive and they don't work very well. <laughs> yeah, and again, I I like John Cleese as Q. I think he's a lot. I think he's fun, except he's not really Q. Because Q, ultimately, he's the quartermaster. He wants the agents to have what they need. And Desmond Llewellyn always balanced that really nicely. It's like he was—he didn't like that Bond didn't didn't respect the equipment very much, or he he was never really clear. I, I think he knew on some level that Bond just liked tweaking him because he was so serious. But here, you know, John Cleese's Q reminds me of that character in the MASH episode when they want an incubator and he won't give them one because he just wants to have them in his inventory. Right. I do, however, it's John Cleese. Yeah. It's like anytime you're in a scene with John Cleese and you try to get the better of him, there's a point where you're just slammed so hard and so fast and it's so calm. And the best line for me is when he says, oh, Q, you're cleverer than you look. And without missing a beat, John Cleese says, it's better than looking cleverer than you are. <laughs> yeah. And what is the last line they give him in that scene? I wish you would disappear. He says the uh-huh. Again, and that is not John Cleese's fault. That was just, uh, it's, he's, ter- I think he's very badly written in this movie, and he's there very briefly. And I've, I, while I love him as Q, I found that whole sequence disappointing. I think they, they used him better in a couple of the other movies. Well, also, it's just adding to the growing pile of ridiculous gadgetry. Yeah, never mind when- the sonic transducer ring that he gives him that can shatter. Un, you know, uh, impenetrable glass, despite the fact that it's basically a pinky ring with no power source. Yeah. And, we'll get, and don't even get me started on the wristwatch with a laser beam that can cut through six inches of ice. Well, never mind the yeah. laser beam that we can see. Huh? Yeah, never mind that. I mean, sure, you could have a laser beam and a wristwatch. Of course you could. It's, it'd be the equivalent of a laser pointer. If you wanted to do anything, you'd be hauling around a power source the size of an 18-wheeler. Well, banking on the idea that most people don't understand how lasers work. Yeah, yeah, they're hoping for that. The other thing that kills me, and again, where it's just like, okay, you're not even pretending. They have a holodeck. Oh, MI6 has a holodeck. Yeah, and then that'll come in play later. Oh, God, that's it. Yeah, you, you put on a pair of glasses, and it's like super virtual reality, and it's just science fiction and it it's done it, it adds nothing nothing i forgot what they were doing it for and i thought oh they're they're recertifying him they're making yeah. see if he and no they're just throwing it in there because oh look how <laughs> throw it in because look how embarrassing it is yes but, and then everybody goes up to to iceland 
And and they have the hotel made of solid ice, which can't exist. Uh, What I like is they have electric sliding doors made of ice. Yeah. Okay, how does that work? Never mind the fact that I'm like, gee, I hope I don't get trapped in this giant, fragile, easy to break. Oh, later on I will. Okay, fine. (sighs) Yeah. Okay, so they get to this this ice hotel. Um, The snow and ice, as unfortunately is always the case, look incredibly fake oh no one's cold ever (laughs) you can't see anybody's breath oh the snow it looks honestly like soap powder it just does um we get uh, gustav graves is doing his presentation which i'm like okay who let him launch that satellite because that's a thing you don't just get to throw anything you want into space somebody actually oversees that yeah has this mega giant super umbrella reflecto thing and oh look, it can make sun during nighttime, which um I think nobody wants. Nobody That's the thing. Wants. what is he's talking about what the wonderful benefit says you can grow crops year round. It's like we can do that now. The called equator. a greenhouse. That too. Uh, or, so, or, or it's called growing them in another part of the world. What is the use of this thing? And you cannot tell me that fire that even bef- without weaponizing it, just shooting a massive beam of concentrated solar radiation that you can't tell me that's good for, for the environment or air or anything because you're firing a huge microwave beam. I, 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 my note was super laser. Wow. Mega sunbeam activate. Yeah. Yeah. This is basically an anime weapon. Also this, this, this mirror thing, this, this inflatable mirror thing, I'm sure the technology itself is not that big a deal, but the thing would have to be miles across. Yeah. It would probably, in fact, block out the sun in certain places. Yeah. Okay. So then this is the, this is where things start to really fall apart because we're at that. I, I remembered the ice hotel stuff. I didn't remember how long we stayed there. That was what got me. I was watching the movie. I I was like, wow, you know, the pacing of this isn't bad. We're moving along and we're halfway through. Yeah. There's over there's over another hour. So I didn't we, remember that. So Bond gets himself invited because Gustav Graves takes pleasure in knowing that Bond has no idea which is what is going on. And in that, that part, actually, it's like, you know, good for you. You know, you obviously have a big ego. I can understand why you do this, because Bond has no idea what's going on. Yeah. But then we have Jinx show up again and they do cute things. Um, there's this ridiculously giant suitcase remote control to control the satellite, which eventually gets turned into an Iron Man suit for reasons I do not understand. Uh, I don't get that. Yeah, It starts out with just an electric glove. And all I could think of was the Nintendo. I love the power glove. It's so bad. It took my glove. It took my glove. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. some reason, the villain now has like a cybernetic electric gauntlet that he can use as a taser. Oh, I know I why. Know. I know why. Stuff and reasons. Yeah. Stuff and reasons. Yeah, so, uh, and of course, he has to make another entrance. It wasn't bad enough that he parachuted in the first place. Now he has to show up at the ice hotel in his rocket ice sled because Batman, who knows? (laughs) I mean, seriously. And then, okay, so then uh, Bond has to get away, apparently. And there's all these other millionaires or, or philanthropists. I don't know who these people are that are invited and going, oh, clap, clap, clap. Wow, sun time at night. That's great. Um, Then they leave. The next morning, everyone's leaving except Bond has gotten into things. Jinx has gotten herself caught. And Bond tries to make off in the rocket ice sled. And so what is 
What does Gustav Graves do besides twirl his non-existent mustache? He turns on the giant space laser because he hasn't told everybody, oh, by the way, it's also a weapon. And he's chasing James Bond in the pocket sled with the giant space laser. And no one notices this. No satellite defenses go off. No radiation detectors go off. No one's like, hey, you know, sir, there's a enormous coherent sunbeam being fired down along as part of the Icelandic coast. Weird, I've got a hot dog right now. I I, I lunch, uh, coffee. uh, (laughs) I don't eat. So so then, because they have to get worse, Bond goes over a cliff but has a grappling hook because, wow. Grappling hooks solve everything. And the ice beam misses him. So he's able to, as the, the glacier he's on is collapsing, he manages to make a, um, what did I call it? Paris, a parasurfer yeah, thing. Parasail surfboard and surfs again to freedom. Yeah, so we can just mirror the opening sequence again. And, oh, my God, talk about dumb. So somehow, not only has he been going away at 3 billion miles an hour being chased by a super sunbeam space laser, um, he manages to parasurf back at the hotel. And then, oh, good, no one found his car because, of course, you it's know. It's invisible. Well, and it's somehow not casting a shadow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So then we get to have this. Oh, so Jinx gets locked in her ice room and the the giant space reflecto beam is now melting the hotel. So her room is somehow sealed. I don't understand how that's a thing, but the melting water doesn't melt the door. It just fills up. So she's going to drown because no one can shoot anybody in this stupid film. It's like, why isn't anyone just shooting people? Is this before or after she's strapped to the table and about to be lasered to death? You know, I watched the movie yesterday, yeah. and I honestly can't answer that question. I don't know where I don't know where those plot points. At one point, she's strapped to the table, a la Goldfinger, right? And they're shooting Mr. Hill, and apparently, <laughs> in this room, which apparently is filled with multiple laser cannons, because yeah, you use those in diamond mining. I, yeah. No, it's you like, don't. I'm sorry, I studied this stuff. I was a gemologist. This you can use diamonds in. You use lasers to etch diamonds. You well, do you not know, use them to mine them. The first laser was made with a diamond. No, it wasn't. Yes. <laughs> I got that wrong and diamonds are forever. Yeah, and then this big space laser thing looks honestly like the space laser with yeah. diamonds from diamonds are forever on, on, on steroids. Mm. But so, yeah, and, she's strapped to a table and there's lasers and they miss because... Somehow they turn into... Do you remember the scene in uh, Logan's Run? Yes, I they, actually have my notes. Yep. New Yep, with Farrah yep. yep. All, all of a sudden, all these surgical lasers are firing these weird patterns around the room. It's the same thing in this. Going, wow, this makes, okay, in that movie, that kind of made sense. In this one, it really totally doesn't. Right. Those were surgical lasers. The only really bad part about that movie is that you could see the beam, but, you know, people yeah. don't understand. If you can't see it, it's not there. So, yeah. whatever. so somehow in here, after Jinx is caught in the super mega laser table whatever thing and bond gets her out she somehow gets locked in a room where it's filling with water and, and bond no, has to save her again yeah bond has this horrible car fight on the ice with his super amazo invisible but then it's not invisible but has rockets and whatever <laughs> apparently Zhao is part of the car acrobatic team and has his yeah. own special car with but, missiles and mines and stuff but what is it 
It's a convertible. <laughs> with an ice hotel and it has no roof. He's just yeah. driving around shooting stuff with the roof down. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Nobody freezes to death. I mean, God, Bond at one point jumps into the water under the ice. And he's fine. No headgear. Oh. He's wearing a sweater. <laughs> he's wearing a sweater. He should have been, if not dead, his entire body should have been one big muscle cramp. Yeah. Now, the one thing I did like about that, and it was a very minor thing, was it looked like he was using the little rebreather device from yeah. Thunderball, which, was, you know, cute for the real. fans. They exist. Yeah. But, you know, they use that in Thunderball. So it's like, okay, we just seen Q. But anyway, so uh, somehow Bond manages to bash the Aston Martin in through the door just in time. Luckily, Jinx isn't all that cold for reasons. And of course, the cold water, just like in the Abyss, kept her from dying, although he actually doesn't perform any kind of resuscitation. Yes, he, just he does. He, he you know, shoves his tongue in her mouth a few times and rubs her chest. Well, Not like chest compression. He's literally just rubbing her chest. Yeah, that wasn't uncomfortable. It's, like, <laughs> it's a little awkward. And of course, and in the I mean, all of this diamond face gets killed by a tacky chandelier falling on him. Oh, Wait, diamonds. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah. Then the, the bad guys escape in their super amazo. Big plane. They go after them. They get on the plane. Nobody shoots. There is no reason they can't shoot the plane. Absolutely none. Somehow it gets from Iceland to North Korea without any problems at all. Yeah. Um, there's the, the giant space laser is now being aimed to destroy the DMZ and all the mines. And Colonel Moon, uh, Gustav Graves, finally comes out to his father, <laughs> yeah. um, who basically says, "You're you're going to destroy us. This is not what we're about." So he kills his dad. And then, of course, because instead of shooting the plane, which would make sense, um, they send Bond and Jinx to switch blade their way in, or I don't yeah, know. Yeah, okay, Jinx, you kill the female bad guy, and Bond, you go get the bad, the male bad guy, which is exactly what happens. Yeah, and then they fly the plane into the mega super ultra watt laser beam, but somehow, although the super mega ultra watt laser beam destroys everything else it touches, the plane just kind of gets a little smoky. Yeah. And then flying, um, they shoot a missile at the satellite, but the satellite is able to turn in time and get that missile. So the Americans throw up their hands and go, well, I don't know what to do. because You know, sir, we could shoot two missiles at oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no one seems to think of that, you know. Sir, yeah, can you can only fire in one direction. Nope, nope, we're, we're totally boned. And he's... <laughs> yeah, they, and the thing is, once when, they, when he throws... Colonel Moon into the jet engine a la syndrome. Yeah. That turns okay. off the, the space laser. Well, he was wearing the super Iron Man controllo suit. Ah, so, so that gets destroyed and that automatically turns off the space laser. All right, I, sure. Why not? I guess. Whatever. So and the day is saved. And uh, yeah. of course, then there's the other oh no, the plane's going down, but we'll just push this helicopter out the back and now. I am not an avionics expert. I don't know. Any, I've never flown anything. I'm pretty sure that's not how helicopters work. I don't think you can drop one out of a plane and turn it on. Oh, I think you might be able to, but you can't be like within 200 feet of the ground and expect that the engine sun suddenly coming to life will provide enough thrust to not turn you into a pancake. Yeah. So this this film was just, uh, well, what, I don't know. Do we have any other points or do we want oh, to get yeah, to that? And of course, there's the final final uh, scene you know of uh bond and jinx celebrating in some shack somewhere 
you know, which I have to say, you know, we talked about how unco- toss don't stack because it's uncomfortable to have sex on top of uh, stack right. of money. In this, they are clearly rolling around on a pile of diamonds, which would not only be painful, but quite possibly dangerous. Hey, you ever stepped on a Lego? It's like yeah. that. Yeah. And they're just in bed with a with a pile of them. And of course, she's giving us such amazing dialogue that we, because we can't see them, we can only hear them of, no, no, keep it in longer, keep it in longer. And of course, she's referring to the diamond in her navel. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's a thing women... But that, of course, is not our final sex fantasy. It turns out Moneypenny is using the holodeck to uh, indulge in a James Bond sex fantasy. Right, because... Which is like, okay... Oh, good. Why leave the character any dignity at all? <laughs> Who, Money Penny or James Bond? Either one. Yeah. So that's 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 all I, I've got. So the roundup. Not one of Bond's best, I think we can fairly say. No. But the last thing is, I think there's actually some cool things they're tr- they're sort of exploring in this film. That's one of the reasons I consider this one of the worst in that. It's not like it's one of the dull ones. It no. star- it it has real potential. I'd say the first half is really good. The first half is fascinating. You got the whole thing of the you know, wow, we're seeing James Bond treated like an actual spy and what happens there and and then we see, you know, Jinx and we see oh look at the all the international travel like we remember from Bond. That's cool. And then it just goes and nope. Yeah, it's just, it's all about gadgets and giant space lasers and gene replacement therapy. And it's like the idea of the character being that close to Bond and him ha- not knowing what was going on was very cool. The idea of Bond being caught and having to deal with being tortured and stuff. And like, I don't enjoy seeing torture, but seeing the repercussions of actually being a spy were cool. Yeah. The idea of there being this mole and that mole being smart enough to play these governments against each other was cool, but space lasers and ice hotels. Yeah. And the sign, never mind in James Bond, you suspend a lot of disbelief for some of the scientific nonsense. Yeah. This pushes it just too far in most of them. They're fairly smart. They say, okay, here's this one thing right. that we know, you know, if you don't look at it too hard in this, they just throw them at our heads constantly. Yeah, that's not how gene therapy works. That's not how lasers works. That's not how this works. And it's uh, this is the film that broke the franchise, right? Because yeah. apparently, although it made tons of money, interestingly enough, something, some message was sent to the producers that says we don't want this anymore. We're 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 done, you know. And thankfully, they they took a step back and go, okay, what can we do? And the answer was, we're going to reboot it and sort of not start from the beginning, but damn close to it. And yeah, and they completely retool it in the next movie. And Well, almost, because weirdly, and this is where the timeline gets really messed up, certain people continue on, thankfully. Yes, that's true. Dame Judy Dench is M, who is awesome. Mm-hmm. And she actually gets a story arc. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, but this, this, yeah... This this film this is bad. It is you know and the thing is you go to see a Bond film to be entertained and to escape, so it doesn't have to sit there and make exact perfect scientific. No, no, I'm willing to suspend disbelief, but it just pushed too hard. It was too much. There's 
only so much you can suspend, you know? After that, the cables start fraying. Yeah, I'd have to go and look and see what the timeline was, but I want to say that somewhere around now is when we started getting things like the Jason Bourne films, which were much more grounded in... I can't say reality because they're not, but there's there's like no gadgetry, weird stuff like that. It's much more about the intrigue and the skills and the tension than it is about the giant inflatable space lasers. <laughs> so speaking of giant inflatable space lasers, Max, what are we going to watch next week? Well, next week, fortunately for us. Oh, by the way, The Born Supremacy came out in 2004. Oh, so I was, I was right. Born Identity was 2002, the same year as this movement is this movie. So yes, you are right. This is when we started getting the grittier ones and things like salt and, uh, and movies like that. Even some of the mission impossible movies. Yeah. What's interesting is that when I was in high school, a friend of ours said, cause I was, I was going to be a film major. Um, a friend of ours said, I want you to read this book. I think we should make a movie out of it. He wanted to make the movie in high school. And that movie oh, wow. was, was born identity. Ah. And I'm like, where are we going to get a fishing trawler and how are we going to shoot it in Vietnam? <laughs> uh, but okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you were asking, what are we doing next week? Next, next week, week, in fact, we are doing, and this actually is a coincidence. I don't, we, I didn't plan it this way. Uh, the reboot of the franchise, the first Daniel Craig movie, Casino Royale. But is it any good? Uh, yes. This is now we're going from bad Jimmy to good Jimmy. <laughs> and I, I got it. I'll say right now, early on, that movie, that movie I like right from the opening because the whole thing is this magnificent parkour sequence. That was breath. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that yeah, next week. Yeah, we will. We're done. Dun, 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 dun. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. Thank you.